Ole decided he was going to quit farming, so he sold his farm, moved into the city. And the city that he happened to move into was a city that was all Catholic. Now, Ole happened to be a Lutheran, uh, which didn't seem to be much of a problem. He got along well with his neighbors, except for this one problem. Ole had this kind of this ritual, this custom. Every Friday night, he would have a beef barbecue. He loved grilling steaks on Friday night. And for the Catholics, that was a real problem because they were not allowed to eat red meat on Friday. So they would smell this barbecue happening. And uh, it, it became a little, a little concerning for them. So one day they said, wait, we're going to go confront Ole. So they get together, neighbors go. They talk with Ole. They say, Ole, oh, you're a Lutheran and you're in a town of Catholics. So it's, it's hundreds of miles to the closest Lutheran church. Says, so why don't you become a Catholic? Oh, he thought about it for a minute. He thought, that's a good idea. I think I'll do that. So they arranged the time with the priest. They went and talked with the priest. Then it was the big day. The big day that Ole was going to become a Catholic. So they gather all the friends, the neighbors for this big day, this big celebration. And Ole comes and he kneels before the priest. And the priest puts his hand on Ole's head and says, Ole, you were born a Lutheran. You were raised a Lutheran. But now you're a Catholic. Everyone was happy. Great day of celebration until the next Friday came. <laughs> Ole was barbecuing again. The neighbor smells this wonderful steaks cooking. So they, Ole didn't get it. We're going to have to go talk with him. So they go to talk with Ole. And as they're approaching his fence, they hear Ole saying these really familiar words. Ole saying, you were born a beef. You were raised a beef. But now you're a fish. <laughs> How many of you know that ceremony alone does not change the heart? <laughs> Rituals alone does not change the heart. However, this morning, I want to talk with you about uh, an ordinance, if you will, a ritual, if you will, that's significant for our lives. It's significant in our ongoing pursuit of Christ. I want to talk to you this morning about water baptism. In my 17, year, or 17, my 13 years of pastoral ministry, this is the first uh, sermon that I've ever done on a Sunday totally on water baptism. But as we have committed this year to take you deeper and to grow you stronger in Christ, I felt compelled that it would be significant on this day that we would talk about the importance of water baptism, of why it is significant for your life. Now water baptism is, is mentioned throughout the New Testament as an important event in the life of an individual who has chosen Christ as their Savior. It's a statement of our choice of Christ in our lives as well as a proclamation to the world of our commitment to follow Him. Now, the water baptism is, experience is really different for everyone. I mean, we, uh, when you're baptized, everyone gets wet. But beyond that, the spiritual experience uh, has just a, a variety of different meanings and, and different responses. But I wanted to share with you just a couple I've, I've heard recently as I've baptized individuals and individuals have given their testimony. There was one man who said this, it feels like I now have a new purpose and a new power in my life. One lady said, I feel like I have a new direction and I was delighted to be able to publicly proclaim my faith. Pat Summerall, you may recognize the name, a well-known sports announcer who overcame an addiction to alcohol and became a follower of Christ in his late 60s, uh, shared of his water baptism experience. And this is what he said. He says, I went down into the water and when I came up, it was like a 40-pound weight had been lifted from me. I have a happier life, a healthy life, and a more positive feeling about life 
than ever before. So this very concept, the very word of baptism is is really pregnant with meaning. Your baptism declares your faith. You share in, in Christ's burial and resurrection. It symbolizes your death to your old life and it announces your new life in Christ. It's also the celebration of your inclusion, your coming into God's family. But not only is it important for your life, but it's important in our mission, in the Great Commission that that Jesus gave in his last words, in his departing words before he ascended. This is what he shared with the disciples in Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Jesus says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. It's from this that we have four simple directives for the church today. Let me give them to you quickly. The first is this, go into all the world. God thinks globally. He loves globally. And he's challenged us to go to the world to proclaim the gospel message. The second directive here is to preach the gospel, to go and proclaim the good news, to go and tell people about Jesus. The third directive, notice that Jesus mentions in his departing words is this, baptize people in water. As they open their lives, as they receive Christ, this is the next step, that they would be baptized in water. And then the fourth directive here is to make disciples, to see people saved, to see them baptized, to see them discipled, matured in their faith. So water baptism is a central part of our mission that we need to embrace for our own lives as well as we want to make it a priority for the life and ministry of our church today. With that, let me give you six scriptural facts concerning water baptism. You have them there in your notes this morning. The first is this, water baptism is a command. It's not an option. It's a command, not an option. You don't get to choose whether or not you want to be baptized. The scripture gives it to us as a directive. In Acts 2, you have it there. Day of Pentecost, as the Holy Spirit descended upon the apostles, there were some dynamic things that began to happen. They began to speak with other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. All the activity began to draw a crowd. There's a large group of folks that began to gather. Peter seizes the opportunity and he begins to preach his first sermon. And he's telling people just the gospel message. He's sharing the good news. He's telling them about Jesus. And it comes a point, the scripture says, where the people's hearts were convicted. And they asked Peter this. They said, Peter, what should we do? What must we do? Look with me, if you would, to verse 38. This was Peter's response. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The scripture goes on to say that those who accepted the message were baptized. About 3,000 people were added to their number that day. Notice Peter did not say, repent, and if it's convenient, be baptized. Nor did... Peter say, repent, and when you get ready, be baptized. Nor did he say, repent, and when you become spiritually mature, then be baptized. He simply said, repent and be baptized. And those who responded identified themselves with Christ and were baptized that day. And the scripture says 3,000. How many of you know there was a whole lot of dipping going on in Jerusalem that day? 3,000 people on that day. They didn't wait till the next day. It was that day. So we see... Water baptism is not an option in our spiritual journey. It's, it's a directive to us. I'm convinced many times we, we treat our journey of faith kind of like K&W cafeteria. How many of you know what K&W cafeteria is? How many of you have been there? 
Next time you go, try some of their Dutch apple pie. Whoa. I think I could handle a piece of that right now. But many times we treat our journey of faith like a cafeteria line. We go and we get our tray and we're, and we're kind of moving down the line. You say, oh, salvation, that looks pretty good. I think I'll take some of that. And, uh, you know, that worship, man, that, that kind of stirs my emotions. It makes me feel good. I think I'll take some worship and oh, I, I want the pastor to pray some pr- prayers of blessings on me. I think I'll take some of that. And then we say, oh, my plate's full. And there's all these other things. You know, there's water baptism and there's tithing and there's obedience and there's all of these other aspects of the journey of our faith and many times we think we can pick and choose what we want and that's not the reality if it's a directive for us from God's word then it's that that we need to embrace for our lives if you want to experience the fullness of God's blessings in your life it's always tied to obedience it's tied to your faith being lived out and obedience to the directive of his word So water baptism is the command, it's not an option. The second fact we have from scripture concerning water baptism is that it was significant in the life of Jesus. Look with me if you would to Matthew chapter three. Matthew chapter three, I wanna begin with verse 13. This is the narrative of Jesus coming to John at the River Jordan. Listen as I read. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And John's saying, look, I know you're the Messiah. You're the son of God. I'm not even worthy to unlatch your sandals. And you want me to baptize you? This whole process is backwards. But notice what Jesus says. Jesus replied, let it be so now It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. So when we come to be baptized in water, not only we not only are we being obedient to the directive of God's word, but we're following after the model of Jesus Christ himself who came to John and said, John, this is, this is significant for my life. The third fact concerning water baptism is that it's part of the great commission that we all share. I've already mentioned this as I read Matthew 28, one of the directives of the great commission. But, but part of our mission that we're partnering in is to see people born again, to receive Christ as their Savior, leading them to the next step of, of water baptism. Coming up the end of July and into August, we as a congregation are going to be partnering with other churches, participating in Wild Jam. Wild simply means this, winning our world for Jesus. We're going to be going into the inner city of Charlotte, the worst areas of Charlotte. We're going to be in Optimus Park, Belvedere Homes, Southside uh, Park. And we're going to go in Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, three days, and we're, going to, we're just going to go in and love on some folks. We're going to rock some babies, repair some bicycles, cut some hair, feed the hungry, and we're going to present the gospel message to them. Stephen and Linda Tavani is going to come and, and bring their big truck with the stage, and they're going to help us in this endeavor. But we're going to be there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And what's going to happen is there's going to be a whole lot of folks get saved as we're in the inner city of Charlotte. And then on Sunday, on Sunday, we're going to 
line up some buses and we're going to go back down to the inner city where there was maybe three, four, five, six hundred folks who committed their lives to Christ. We're going to get them on a bus and we're going to bring them back up to Lake Norman, to the YMCA, and we're going to take them out to the beach. We're going to feed them a nice lunch and we're going to have a huge water baptismal service. We're talking maybe three, four, five hundred folks who are going to be water baptizing on that Sunday afternoon. You won't want to miss this. It is going to be a phenomenal event. Why? Because we're committed to the Great Commission. This is what the Great Commission says. It says, see them saved and then take them to the next step of water baptism. It's part of their mission. The third fact that we find, or fourth fact we find here concerning water baptism is that it was pursued and promoted in the early church. It's not just something that happened in the Gospels. But we see the ongoing pursuit of water baptism being significant and the lives of the disciples. It was, a, it was a priority. There was a sense of urgency. You don't have these references down, but maybe you want to write them down as I talk about them. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, we've already read about the 3,000. When, when, when Peter said, repent and be baptized, 3,000 chose Christ as their Savior, and they were baptized that day. In Acts chapter 8, verse 36, there's a narrative where Philip is sharing the gospel with the Ethiopian eunuch. They've been traveling down the road and this Ethiopian eunuch is reading from the prophet of Isaiah. He doesn't fully understand, so he begins to ask some questions. Philip begins to share with him about Jesus Christ. The, the uh, Ethiopian eunuch gives his heart to Jesus. They're passing by this pool of water and he says, hey, why do I need to wait? Let's be baptized now. So they stop and he's baptized. Acts chapter 10, the story of, of Peter going to Cornelius' house. Interesting, as Peter begins to present the gospel message, the scripture says that Cornelius' whole household was saved. And that day, not the next day, that day, they were baptized in water. Another great story, Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas have been arrested for preaching the gospel message. They've been thrown into prison. They're locked behind bars. Yet the scripture says about midnight, they begin to sing. They begin to have this little celebration party. God brings an earthquake. Chains fall off. The doors come open. And the jailman, the head of the jail, he's ready to take his life because he thinks all the prisoners have escaped. And Paul says, no, stop. Don't take your life. And, and, and the jailman then begins to care for Paul and Silas. And he asks them this question. I, what do I need to do to embrace Christ? So Paul and Silas begin to share with them. And the scripture says that the jailman and his whole household were saved. And that day, that day they were baptized. So what we find as we look through the early church, as we look through the book of Acts, we find that water baptism uh, was pursued. It was promoted. It was a priority in the mission of the early church. Fiddly water baptism does not save you, rather it's a declaration. It's a declaration of your faith. Acts 2.38 says, repent and be baptized. It's the repentance that brings salvation. Romans 10.9 and 10 says that if we, if we repent, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we will be saved. Ephesians 2.8.9 says it's, it's by his grace that we are saved through faith. So it's our belief in Christ that saves us. It's our water baptism then that's a proclamation of who Christ is in our life. Water baptism is kind of like a wedding ring. If you're wearing a wedding ring, you may look at that and, and there's some similarities there. They both symbolize a transaction. A wedding ring symbolizes marriage just as baptism symbolizes salvation. Wearing a, a wedding ring doesn't make you married any more than being baptized will make you saved. 
Yet, it's the wedding ring that speaks of a transaction, that speaks of this, of you making a commitment. And so water baptism is a proclamation. It doesn't bring salvation, it doesn't make us more saved, but it, is, it does do this, it proclaims to the world who Christ is in our lives. And sixthly, in the examples and teaching of scripture, we find that the act of water baptism follows salvation. The order we find in scripture is that an individual says yes to Jesus and then they're, say, uh, then they're baptized. So we follow that order in our church today as people commit their hearts to Jesus. We encourage them then to take the next step to be baptized in water. Before I go on to talk about the significance of water baptism for our lives, let me quickly answer four questions about water baptism that I'm, that I'm asked all the time. First question is this, pastor, which is right when we're talking about water baptism? Should we be sprinkled or immersed? And my answer is yes. That's the easy out, right? Yes. Well, our mode of baptism here at Grace Covenant is by immersion. Behind the screen, we have a baptismal tank that we fill with water, and as individuals are baptized, we immerse them in the water. And we, we, we do that because it's the model that we see in Scripture. It's what we see carried out in Scripture. And the very word baptism, the Greek word babto, means to immerse. It means to put under the water. Uh, so we choose as a mode of baptism immersion. However, let me tell you the other side of the story. A couple years ago, there was a lady who came to me and had received Christ as her Savior and really wanted to be baptized in water. I mean, she was passionate, wanted to be baptized, but she was also afraid. She was scared to death of water. I mean, there was no way that I was going to put her head under that water. That wasn't going to happen. As I began to talk with her, I said, Sally, I said, it's no big deal. I said, come into the tank. She came into the tank. We took a pitcher and poured water over her head. She was just as much baptized as the one before her and the one after her. Why? Because it's an issue of the heart. Let's not become legalistic. Let's not become rigid. Let's not throw our denominational stones. Let's follow in obedience after Christ, making a proclamation to the world of who he is in our lives through water baptism. But we do follow the measure. We, we use the mode of immersion. That's, uh, but even this morning, there was a lady in first service who said, I, I want to be baptized, but I have an issue with my back and I can't bend over. I said, no problem. No problem. We can take care of that. So, so the second question that I'm often asked is this. If I, if I was baptized as an infant, do I need to be baptized again? And the answer is yes. Why? Because this is the order we find in Scripture. Individuals are saved, then they're baptized. As an infant, you do not have the ability to discern your need for Christ in your life and make an act of your will to receive Christ as your Savior. What we do here at Grace Covenant is we dedicate infants. Matter of fact, last night in our six o'clock service, uh, Abigail Allen, beautiful little girl, brought her and her family up on the platform and we prayed prayers of blessings over her, over the family. So we dedicate infants, we don't baptize infants because we see this order in scripture. Individuals are saved and then they're baptized. The third question I'm often asked as if I were baptized in another church, do I need to be baptized again as I become a part of the Grace Covenant Church family? And the answer is no. When you're baptized, you're coming into God's family. We are simply one small part of a much 
bigger family. So as you are baptized, you're making a proclamation of your faith and you're coming into, you're included into God's family. So you don't need to be rebaptized. Let me, as I conclude this morning, talk with you about the significance of water baptism. Why is it significant for your life? We've looked at the scriptural facts. Now let's talk about you. First, water baptism symbolizes your participation in the fellowship of God's eternal family. When you were born physically, you became a part of a family. When I was born, I became a part of the Lemmings family. The Lemmings family existed before I arrived, as the Lord tarries. It's going to continue after I'm gone, after I decease. But I was born into the family, into a family. The same thing happens when you receive Christ and you're born again. You're born into a family, a family of believers that's pretty big. It reaches around the world. All those who have accepted Christ as their Savior. Now you become a part of that family. So baptism symbolizes your participation. You're coming into this family of believers. Baptism doesn't make you a member of God's family. It's only faith in Christ that does that. Baptism shows that you're a part of God's family. Again, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace we are saved through faith. That's how we're saved. So baptism only does this. It, it, it symbolizes, it makes a statement that we're recognizing we're coming into God's family. Water baptism is also a sign of faith, making a statement of a new reality for your life. Water baptism is, is an outward sign to the world of the inward work of Christ for your life. It's a statement, proclamation to the world of a new life, of a new direction, of a new purpose. Like, salvation is really an inside job, right? When you agree, it's a heart job. The scripture says we become a new creation in Christ. Sometimes that's, that's hard to see. It's hard to see the work on the inside. So water baptism is a statement of what's happening in our hearts and in our lives. So it's an, it's an outward sign of an inward work, a redeeming work of Christ in our lives. Water baptism confronts the believer with a call to submission to yield to a new authority in their lives. That authority being Jesus Christ himself. Listen to the powerful words that Paul would write from the book of Colossians. And I'm reading from the message translation in Colossians chapter 2. Paul writes, entering into this fullness is not something you figure out, nor is it something you achieve. It's not a matter of being circumcised or keeping a long list of laws. No, you're already in. Insiders. Not through some secretive initiation, right? But rather through what Christ has already gone through for you. Destroying the power of sin. If it's an initiation ritual that you're after, you've already been through it by submitting to baptism. Listen to this. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. When you were stuck in your old sin-dead life, you were incapable of responding to God. God brought you alive right along with Christ. Think of it. All sins forgiven, the slate wiped clean, that old arrest warrant canceled and nailed to Christ's cross. Hey, water baptism is a picture. It's a picture of Jesus' death, of his burial and resurrection to life. As we are immersed in the water, we're dying to ourselves and we're bringing ourselves under 
the Lordship of Christ. It's a statement of our willingness to lay down our own agendas that we might embrace God's agenda for our lives. God's agenda that's always for our best. And lastly, water baptism opens the door for a new release. A new release of the power of the Spirit for our lives. Just as there comes a new reality in, in your life as you confess your commitment to Christ in baptism and a new rule as you submit to his lordship, there also comes a new release. A new release through the key of enablement. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, Peter says, repent and be baptized. And he goes on to talk about how, how they're opening their lives to the dynamic of the Holy Spirit that would be for them, for their children, and for the generations to follow. So there's a new dynamic. Water baptism opens our life as we're taking a step of obedience. It opens our life to the fullness of all that God has for us. So my question for you this morning as I conclude is why not you? Why not you? If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you've not been baptized in water, then what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? It's a, script, it's a command that we find in Scripture. Jesus modeled water baptism for us. The early church made water baptism a priority for every new believer. It's a means of identifying with Christ and his death and resurrection. It's a proclamation to the world as well as this. It's a participation in God's family. Let me tell you, it's a vital part for you to go deeper and grow stronger if you're really serious about pursuing God in your life and you've not been baptized in water, then this is a significant step in your life. See, this is what I know. I know that God wants to do more in your life, but the more that he wants to do is always tied to obedience. It's always tied to us willing to take, for, for our willingness to take steps of faith in alignment with his word for our lives. There's four things you need to do. One is you need to step out in faith. Two is you need to step up in obedience. Three, you need to step down into the water. And four, you need to step into the fullness of what God has for you. Let me give those to you again. You need to step out in faith, step up in obedience, step down in the water, and step into the fullness of all that God has for you. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I thank you today for the encouragement of your word. Lord, that you